Sorry, everyone. I had to restart Facebook because I didn't hook up the microphone correctly. And there are times the audio sounds like garbage if I do not do that. So I did it. I did it. I did it. Today, you guys, today a couple of things. First, we are going to be in Exodus. Uh, no, we're not. Pfft. Not first. First, we're going to talk about how Jesus educated people on suppression. It's in the scriptures. I found it yesterday. Well, I didn't find it. More as God showed me what I was looking for. A way to explain to people through the Bible how Jesus managed and helped explain to people how to get out from under suppression. Back in the biblical days of Jesus, suppression was a huge, huge thing. The government could behead you, as I said yesterday about John the Baptist, just for speaking something against the king. Mercy back then meant I wasn't going to cut your head off. Um, and so nowadays we live in a quite merciful world most of the time, but there's still this idea that the that we are suppressed, that we are kept from the things that we truly want. So when somebody tells me they're suppressed, what they're telling me basically is that they don't believe that God can get them out of where they're at. That's what you say when you say you're being suppressed. Now there are, I'm speaking exclusively about America. I have not been to, I've been to Mexico, I've been to Canada, and obviously Canada is not a suppressed country. Um, I don't know about Mexico either. I've only been on the fringes of Mexico. I've never really been in Mexico to give an educated discussion about it. So I cannot speak about other countries because I don't know what their governments are like and none of that. I have no idea. But I know here in America, there are programs, there are things. I mean, look at the amount of stimulus money we received and we didn't even need it this last month, we did not need this last stimulus amount, but the government wants to make sure to, you know, what they say take care of us. But it truly is going to crash our economy. That being said, yesterday I was in a discussion with a gentleman. And the first thing people will say to me when I talk, ask, discuss, state my opinion about anything political as they'll go, are you not a Christian? Um, well, yes, that's not the question. I'm stating my opinion, what's yours? Usually people who start out like that will never ever state where they stand on a topic. They will just deflect from themselves and they will nitpick somebody's comment apart. This person never stated where they stood. And I, I'm quite good, not Stephen Terry. Stephen Terry, you were the one about the ark. Who was this man's name? Jonas Wilson. Okay. He brought up, that is not how Jesus helped the poor. He didn't just say, figure it out. He didn't say it was a choice, but it kind of was. He did say it. 
And after he tried to point that out in me, I was like, no, no. Jesus didn't sit there and hand feed the poor. Okay, He served his purpose in which God guided him. So he did do some things for the poor. But his greatest purpose was walking, talking about God, showing people his relationship with God, loving people, not by giving them things. Jesus never truly gave anybody anything. Nobody's ever caught that fine detail in the Bible. Jesus never gave, besides food they may have had, he never gave the people anything, ever. He gave them hope. He encouraged them. He, he got them to believe there was something greater out there than what was going on in this world. That's what Jesus did. I've read it. So I found a couple of places about suppression, and this is, I really want to talk about this. So the first story I want to talk about is going to be the man at this pool. And I want to pronounce this pool correctly, you guys. Pronounce, because I've never been able, Beth, Bethesda. 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 Okay, so the pool is called P Bethesda. Still can't pronounce it. <laughs> Those English classes are doing me no good. No, I'm just kidding. How far is this? Okay, so it begins at chapter 5, you guys, in John. Specifically John. Not First John, but John. John chapter 5. It goes... After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Okay. In these days laid a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for moving of the water. For an angel went down to a, in a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after stirring the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmary 38 years. Then Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already had been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. And the Jews therefore said to him, was cured. It is the Sabbath. Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? He answered them, He who made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. And they said to him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Okay, and further down it says, For this reason the Jews persecuted the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. The thing was, they were getting very upset. And all Jesus said, you guys, 
Jesus didn't touch the man. I'm going to break this down. Jesus walks up to this place where there's uh, five porches and a pool. Okay. A lot of sick people laying around it. They're all laying around because only one person. So somebody said, here's the thing. They are all listening to mankind. Because somebody said only one person can be healed. So it's whoever steps in the pool first. There's only one seat on this bus, you guys, and whoever moves the fastest gets it. That's what people are telling each other. You notice nobody, it's all hearsay, okay? They're believing in a rumor because none of these people were embodied with the Holy Spirit. They were just assuming this was the way it was. So there was no belief. When somebody stepped in, it it was done and nobody else tried. Do you notice this man? He said it. You know, I get up to go and somebody else steps in. So why even get up? I can't reach it. That's what he's saying. Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. That's his, listen, when Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? And those words are in red. So that is God speaking through Jesus. And the man comes up with excuses. This is what I hear. I'm suppressed. He's saying he's suppressed. I'm suppressed. Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Well, I can't get up. I have nobody to carry me. I have nobody to do this for me. Jesus is what he's saying. Nobody can carry me. Nobody can do this for me. And by the time I actually get up and move, somebody already got it to me. So why even try? That sounds like what's going on in America. Somebody who says, the government is suppressing me. I can't do it because there's nothing there for me. Because I heard from society, people in my community who are also too lazy to get up and walk. I did say it. But it's the truth. You're listening to other people who are bad influences telling you, you can't, I couldn't, how can you? So the thing about being in broken groups of people, you are going to be like the five people you hang around with. I know because I was this way. I can speak from experience. You will be just like the people you hang around with. And if you're hanging around with people who tell you you can't and there's no help and nothing and they don't give you any hope. Those aren't your people. They are just going to suffocate you. You allow people to suffocate you. I know. I was told my whole life. There was lots of people I was surrounded by because they didn't believe in themselves. How could I do it? Jesus said to him, rise and take up your bed. Immediately the man was made well. Why? Because he believed. suddenly he believed he believed that God could bring him out and he didn't have to rely on a man to carry him and he didn't have to be the first one in the pool that's what I'm getting at people who are so say depressed and you say you believe in God then why are you not leaning on him to get you out people say that because they don't 
They really don't know how to put in the work it takes. They don't know where to begin. And they have that lack of disbelief inside because deep down underneath all that disbelief is fear and insecurity. Insecurity that I am not good enough, which is trauma that probably came from your childhood because your parents were either not around or told you those things because they were themselves from a broken home. That's where it all comes down to. It's family karma. Family after family after family after family. So here's a man who did believe. And he got up and he walked. Jesus didn't touch him. The man believed because he could feel God's love through Jesus. He had hope. He felt that hope. That hope of the Holy Spirit that drives the heart, you guys. I've talked about it before. The hope that comes from the Holy Spirit and drives that heart, it's a feeling. You feel it. Only God can do that. And if you've never felt if you've never felt it before, just as this man has never felt it before, just as I had never felt it before until 2019, I never felt God flowing through me like that until 2019 and it changed me. You cannot deny it. You know. It's a force that plows through those walls in you and you know you can. And he got up to him and walked. All because he believed in his head. It's a mental thing. One more story about suppression, you guys. I don't know why I started at the pool. The other one is about the woman. The Samaritan woman. So you guys, back in the day, Samaritans were considered lowly people. If I was to give you a verbal for podcasters and a visual, you guys, of this, okay? It would be like being back in the day of slavery, Okay. And um, a black American, after we just had the Civil War, right? And they were just freeing the slaves and they're supposed to be, you know, freedom. It would be just like a black man going up and wanting to share the front seat of a bus in Mobile, Alabama. I don't know if that was the town where it all started, but I'll just pick that one. Look at how people freaked out over Rosa Parks. It was the same thing. She was considered a lowly person because they were poor. They they just, they were poor with status. They weren't up there like the Pharisees, like the Jews. They weren't the perfect little Christians. They didn't live like the Jews wanted them to live, so they were considered lowly. That's a visual. Now, where is it at? Now, Jacob's... Okay, so Jesus... Jesus was baptizing people. No. Jesus did not baptize anyone. It says it in here in parentheses. Though Jesus himself did not baptize his disciple, but his disciples did. But the Pharisees were upset about this. They heard that Jesus was baptizing people. But he truly didn't do anything. He just spoke the word of God. You don't need to baptize. I, I don't ever need to baptize. I would never baptize anyone. I don't. God can do it. I know he can. So he's down there. Now Jacob's well was there. 
Jacob's well, if you guys remember back, like way back in the beginning of Genesis, okay, Jacob was the son of Isaac who went and ended up meeting Rachel and Leah and had the 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. He built a well, they called it Jacob's well. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she's asking how somebody of your stature would want to ask a drink of me because I'm considered a dirty, lowly, low-life nothing by you, your, your group of people, the Jews. The Jews were racist against Samaritans. I suppose that would be the word. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman, why is my connection unstable? That was Facebook or YouTube. I don't know what's going on. It says the connection's unstable. So YouTube, if it cuts off, I do apologize. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered, she and I may not get. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have said, I have no husband. You have well said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe in me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship in Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. So you guys, the thing about this story, right? So he runs into this woman. He asks her for a drink of water. She goes, 
Why are you even talking to me? I'm a nothing in your eyes. You know, she's defensive because she's been treated like garbage by Jews their whole life. Jews casted out the Samaritans and said, you cannot worship God. This is what they said. You cannot worship God unless you're in Jerusalem or in the temple. That's how they used to say it back in them days. They used to tell them, you can only do these things if you do them within the temple. The temple that we have control of. Does that sound a little correct here? Hmm? Hmm? some water you could do it you could do it. it it will break you down the thing about fasting as jesus did in those 40 days is it broke him down to all he kind of thing within jesus could i do 40 days We're only doing it seven days because that's probably about all I would last is seven days and not and to be able to be around people you guys like I have a job and stuff I don't think fasting for 40 days would work for me I would probably bite somebody's head off but the living water YouTube's being weird living water you guys that is the Holy Spirit that the reason Jesus can feed people with the Holy Spirit is because he has cleansed himself in a way that allows God to reside within him. And when God resides within somebody, and he's using that person as a vessel, when they speak to you, when they say the truth, when they do certain things, you can feel it within your heart. It triggers you. And triggers can be good and bad, you guys. But it'll do something to you. You will feel it. You will feel that connection. It'll feel warm. Some people, it feels warm. I know for me, I feel it and I'm just like, I know. I know when somebody's walking with God. I feel it. It links me like this. And I've ran into complete strangers at the hotel I work at. I've had people come up to me and instantly it was just like this. I didn't need to know much. And I just knew from the feeling that they were walking with God, truly. And they were allowing God to use them as a vessel and I could feel it. And guess what? The fact that when Jesus spoke the truth to her, this was the thing. When Jesus spoke the truth to her, and I've had this happen, it was just the blunt, straightforward truth. No, you don't have one husband. You have five. And the one you're with now is not even your husband. But the way Jesus said it was just, you know, there's these things about you. But he didn't downcast her. He didn't shun her. He just said it. There's these things about you. If you knew. And it touched her in a way. Because that was God working through him. And it touched her in a way where it was something she had never felt before. She knew it was the truth. The truth will touch you. It'll, it'll, it'll change you. Sometimes the truth hurts. But it will change you. And she knew the difference. And when she felt it, that was the Holy Spirit touching her heart. And she believed. She believed. She knew then this was it. This was the real deal. She believed. 
She went back to where she lived and told the entire town, and they came out to see this man. This man that told them that their laws and and what other people were saying who thought they were above them were incorrect. Believe in God, you will be worshiping him, and that came true. You don't need to go to a temple anymore. I don't need to go to church to worship God. I worship God right here. But the thing is, people have to believe. Here's what it comes down to. to suppression is self-made. We are suppressing ourselves. I know because I've done it. We suppress ourselves mentally and then we justify it by going because this person said, because this person said, because this person said, when truly we're suppressing ourselves because we are too lazy. I'm going to say it bluntly. We are too lazy to take the steps forward to cross that barrier to see if it's if we actually can we're too scared to believe in ourselves from past traumas but that's something you have to overcome so all these things about suppression going on you guys the black community was suppressed all of this especially the black community i'm going to state it clearly black community wants to believe that they are suppressed and Cardi B, she was talking about it. She's not suppressed. How are you suppressed? You bought, I believe it was a Lamborghini and you didn't even have a license. How are you suppressed? Why weren't you helping your community that you want to help with? You know, Cardi B was buying cars and didn't even have a license. She couldn't even drive. But she was buying these really expensive cars. All the while, you guys, getting this interview... With President, it was Joe Biden back then. She was getting this interview with him saying how she wanted to help her black community. Yet, where was she helping her black community when she was buying cars she couldn't drive? To the research. She went on somebody's show bragging about it. In fact, I think it was even car uh, carpool karaoke. She was talking about it. She says she wants to help her community, yet she blew hundreds of thousands of dollars on cars she can't drive. Cardi B, do you want to help your really help your community? Or are you just wanting to look good because it validates that lacking you have inside? Because that's where it comes from. Because you too have those fears and insecurities. Do I have time? I won't have time to get to Exodus. This thing with suppression. So we'll flow in now to where all the suppression is coming from. How uniquely interesting how God linked up this suppression, these politics up with the Exodus chapter that I'm reading right now. Because what you're going to see in the coming chapters, first, they were suppressed. Um, but they chose to be. They stayed in it. They could have risen up just as uh, black Americans who were enslaved back, you know, in the late 1600s all the way till the Civil War. When was the Civil War?
How long was slavery legal? This is what I want to... Um, We're struggling to establish arrived in Point Comfort, Virginia, near Jamestown in six. This was 400 years ago. I don't want the newsletter. Okay. So, 1865 is when slavery ended, you guys. Minus 1619. 246 years slavery was legal in the United States, you guys. 246 years. Okay? During those 246 years, as the black community grew, they began to outnumber the whites. They could have risen up and they could have walked out just like the Israels, but they chose to stay in it out of fear. They did, and they didn't know. And it happens. It's okay. It's like staying in an abusive relationship. You don't leave because you don't know any better, and you, you have a lot of fear. It happens. That's life. Just like the Israels. They chose to be enslaved. You choose. You choose to stay in it. You have choices. You do have choices. It's a fact. You have a choice when you when you really get honest with yourself, really honest. I have a choice. I had a choice as a child. I had a choice. I stayed in it. The choice as an adult. So we choose to stay in these bondages. And I'm speaking to myself, you guys. I go through it. I'm going through it right now. We all have mental bondages of some sort. But this one where people are truly deflecting right now and using the excuse, because I'm not suppressing anyone. Nobody's suppressing me because I truly believe, and here's what it comes down to, God will see us through. If you truly believe in God, this is how I know whether people believe in God or not. They will say these things and ask me if I'm a Christian. Yet sit there and say that, and argue the fact that God can help them. Because if you truly believe in God, just as it shows in the scriptures, you guys, just as God brought the Israelites out of bondage, God used two men, Moses and Aaron. 
okay, against the Pharaoh. And Moses and Aaron never used force or fear or intimidation versus the Pharaoh who used force, fear, and intimidation. But guess what won? Love. Moses' love for God and his obedience for God and God's love for people. That's what won and conquered over the force, fear, and intimidation that was done from the Pharaoh to the Israels. It always does. But the sooner people realize it, and it took me a long time to realize this, and nobody was suppressing me and to believe in myself. That was the hardest step was believing in self. That's where a lot of people, this is why a lot of people feel suppressed. They just don't believe in themselves. They don't. If you feel suppressed, it's because you don't believe, you don't truly believe you are good enough to achieve the dreams that you so desire. If you really think about it and you felt held back, you're only holding yourself back because nobody can stop you from going in America and searching. Nobody can stop you from applying to colleges. And a lot of people are like, well, I was denied. I was denied. Well, how many colleges did you apply? Did you actually apply? Well, there's no financial aid, but did you apply? Here's the thing. How many colleges did you, did you attempt? And did you actually put in the work and apply the application and see it all the way to the end? A lot of people will say there's no programs available to help me in getting a degree because of this or that. But did you actually try? Or were you just like the man at the pool, believing what people were saying around the pool. So you believe the people around you and those were your facts. Instead of going out and actually seeking. What did I say yesterday? That word seek. We've lost that drive to seek the truth for ourselves and to seek the way to our dreams. If you never get up and actually do the work, God is never going to open doors for you. You have to walk to the door. See, the door's over there. Door is not going to come to self, okay? If you want what's on the other side of the door, you have to get up on your feet, literally. You have to take the steps and walk to the door. If that door doesn't open, then you go to the next one, the next one, and the next one. And every door that is shut is just the door that's not for you. And God is going to lead you to the door that is the right way to what it is you desire. And you learn something for every door that is shut. You're learning something. You have to f have that unveiling. Allow God to show you the lesson he's trying to teach you. And I truly mean that. So you guys, we talked about suppression. Suppression is a choice. It's a choice in the mind. You choose to be suppressed. You mentally suppress yourself. The Israels are now ending their physical suppression. And now they're going to live in mental suppression for quite a long time. You guys, beyond even just the wilderness, the Israels will live in suppression for a long time. Jesus was the one who came forward, as you can see, and showed people if you believed in God. So even outside of the whole thing with 
Moses bringing God using Moses to bring them out of Egypt. The Israel still they just didn't get it. They really nobody really few did, but not a lot of people caught onto the fact of seeking out God to undo that. I mean, nobody was ever curious, ever. And that's that's what I'm driving home. Aren't you curious to see if you can? Why are you listening to the people around you who are telling you you can't? When somebody tells you you can't, when somebody tells, when you hear the words that there's no help, when somebody has a negative reflection of the world such as that and they tell you you can't and there's no help it's because they themselves have never tried and they themselves don't believe in themselves so you are limited by somebody else's limited belief system that's good and i've been that way i've been that way i've limited myself you guys i'm not just speaking just because I have this privilege. Somebody called me privileged the other day. You're speaking from a privileged statute, statue. Because I said poor, being poor was a choice. Staying in poverty is a choice. They go, well, you're speaking from a privileged standpoint of view. I was like, I wanted to ask them if, is it because I'm white you say that? Because I'm not privileged. I'm not. I had to break through the barriers of family karma who told me I couldn't and I shouldn't and I wouldn't. I had to break through that to show my children that they could. So I'm not privileged. It has nothing to do with skin color. It has to do with having that foundation with God. Because my foundation with God is so solid, I know regardless the world can crumble and the world could fall to pieces. But the one thing I know is I will always have God beyond this life. And that's all that matters to me. This could all crumble away. But while I'm here, I can speak my truth. So we're just gonna fold into the verse of the day I've, I've been thinking of doing this, and I don't I don't know what I'm doing right now, you guys. I truly don't. God has kind of got my world a little upside down. He's kind of flipped me over, and he stirred the pot, and he's showing me that it's all right to feel uncomfortable and to be confident in that, and I'm not. I'm very, very... Uh, to be honest, I'm uncomfortable because I feel a little bit out of my comfort zone not being in, having the same routine every day. I like routine. I like habit. It's comforting to me to have those things, to be that way. So God is guiding me through creating a new habit and kind of changing the structure of what I do up and what what my content might include. But it is uncomfortable, and I am very uncomfortable. Um, but because I have a lot of faith that this is what God wants me to do, I know he's going to bring me through it, and it's going to initially really he's building up that inner security and confidence to know that when things change up, it's all right, 
and I don't have to crumble. I don't have to fall apart because I have insecurities, you guys. I have deep-rooted insecurities and they come through sometimes, maybe not here because I've become comfortable and secure in this space, but I have my moments. I have my moments. So you guys, the verse of today is from Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And this came beautifully up at the same time we were talking about suppression. And it goes for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So you guys, whoever, key word, whoever. It doesn't say just the Israels, the Israelites. It doesn't just say the Egyptians. It doesn't say the poor. It doesn't say Jesus only. It doesn't say those who truly, you know, you have to, you have to give away all your things. It doesn't, there's no stipulation. There's no laws prohibiting anybody. It says for whoever, for whoever calls on the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. There, there's no limit. God does not stick a limit or um, regulations or legislation on whoever wants to call on him. Whoever. Whoever. You could be a Muslim who has... You could be anybody. I don't know why I say that particular group. A lot of people... I don't know. They look at the Muslims and they think that they worship wrong. And I don't know if I believe in that. I don't have a lot of education in the Muslim religious culture, but I don't, I don't know how, I don't, I don't know. So I really shouldn't particularly pick it. How about I pick the pedophile? Whoever, the murderer. Let's pick the pedophile. Whoever calls on the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. It means anybody. If you call on the Lord for him to save your soul, for him to get you out of that internal bondage, he will bring you out. That's everybody. Because at the end of the day, the goal is to walk each other home. So we all want this. I want everybody to find God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care. I spoke about this with my daughter. What if, what if somebody shot her? She said that. She was at work with me and we were talking about death. This is the thing. I have all kinds of conversations with my kids. Why? Because you should. You should have these. You should make it okay to talk about. My kids know what I, my kids know what I want when I die. I'm a very detailed person <laughs> and I want a huge list <laughs> and I want it done to my specifications. <laughs> But they know. They're, before they leave the home, they will already know. So if something happens, they know. And it's all right. She asked if I would be angry if somebody shot her. What would I do? We, we talked about that particular topic. If somebody killed one of us, would we want them to suffer? I said, no. I believe that it's meant to be. That's where I came to terms with it. I wouldn't want somebody to suffer because of 
a loss of self-control and that's what it comes down to really somebody who just comes up and kills somebody has lost control to something darker inside themselves and they can't help it they've lost control and that loss of control comes from some form of trauma that they've never dealt with and so I hope and I told her I hope they would turn to God I hope that in that they would go to God and that my children would have a happy life that was another one don't mourn over me you better move forward For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those who feel suppressed in black community. Specifically, I want to say, because I've been watching a lot of stuff. Um, and I'm really becoming educated in Black Lives Matter. The lbg i'm gonna say it wrong i apologize i'm becoming educated in those groups and what they actually stand for um and what it is they're doing out in this world and how they're educating people and what they're allowing within their groups um but if you believe that in the united states you are suppressed because of government or people well here it goes. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And this is going to be, listen, God just gave me a gem. Because the next time somebody tells me <laughs> that I'm an evil person, I've been called, I was called that too for saying being poor is a choice. You're an evil person. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The poor, if you call on the Lord, if you are poor, if you call on the Lord, you shall be saved. But guess what? God's just not going to hand it to you. You're going to have to get up off your butt. You're going to have to get a job. You're going to have to let go of things. You're going to have to make choices that are uncomfortable. You're going to have to be um, uncomfortable like I'm going through right now. That's what God does. He makes you uncomfortable. He starts bringing you through your life. When you want to be saved, it's not the way you think it's going to be. It isn't like get up and I'm going to start becoming successful. It doesn't work that way. When I wanted to be saved, God took me back to the beginning of my life. And we walked through my life. And as I walked through my life, those people within that time frame started coming back into my life. And I had to close doors and make amends. I'm not kidding. I had to start making amends. You know, taking accountability. That's what happens. When you ask God to save you, he starts at the beginning of your life. And you start walking through it with him. And he starts showing you your faulty belief system. The wrong you did. The accountability you need to take in your life. That's what he does. And that's why a lot of people don't believe. Because deep down, this is the work you're going to have to do. You have to do the inner work before the outer work can begin. That is why my process with God has taken so long. Started all the way back at the beginning. That's why God is the beginning and the end. You start at the beginning. He starts walking you through your life. For anybody with trauma, that can be painful because you have to really, you have to open up and start really talking about 
your life. You have to. All those things you try to bury, you can no longer bury them. God will uproot them and bring them out of you so you can start seeing the wise. Why did that stream? I know you guys, YouTube, not that great. I'm going to have to download this video. So you guys, that's what happens. You call on the Lord, he will save you. But it's going to take inner work and then outer work. So that's it, you guys. We talked about suppression and we talked how to get out of it. If you feel suppressed, call on the Lord. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to call on him. Truly, he is. And he's waiting with love, you guys. God will never take you through your life this is one thing god won't do take you through your life and go you were wrong you were wrong you were wrong you realize you're wrong god never gets angry he doesn't take you through your life and cast you down for your choices because guess what god understands why we we didn't know better god understands why we made those choices i've made mistakes just recently god understands the whys but if i'm going to change i need to really change and not continue in those things. Change means I make my best effort to come out of that. So I love you guys. Happy Wednesday. I think it snowed yesterday where I'm at. I hope it's not too cold. But I love you guys. See ya.